Hello, this is Curtis Edwards, Vice President of Investor Relations at Hudson Investing. Are you ready to start building your multifamily portfolio? Kent and I are excited to announce our newest deal in Spartanburg, South Carolina. This 157-unit property offers a unique chance to acquire a B-class value-add property for just $120,000 per door. This is well below replacement costs. De-risking the deal even further is a favorable loan assumption with over six years remaining at 3.73% fixed. With 50 economic development projects underway and 70,000 jobs within a 20-minute drive, the South Carolina upstate region is primed for above-average job, population, and rent growth. Don't miss out on this exclusive deal. Find the link in the description notes to learn how you can invest. It's very easy for uh, new investors to get caught up in the, like, I call it the Airbnb vibe, where you just want to make this beautiful place with, I don't know, blue tiles and chrome and just all sorts of modifications that just do not bring returns. And they have a really small market because it's so eclectic or it's so special. Welcome to Right Around Real Estate, the show about how to passively invest like a pro. On each episode, I interview real estate experts who give their top investing advice, strategies, and tools, and I break down their insights into practical steps to avoid the pitfalls and make better investments. I want to help you passively invest like a pro. This is Ritter on Real Estate, and I'm your host, Kent Ritter. Hello, fellow investors. Welcome to another episode of Ritter on Real Estate, where we teach you how to passively invest like a pro. Today, my guest is Janet Fields. Janet is the CEO and co-founder of Oak Trust Properties. She got into property management as a child when her parents started flipping houses to rent them out and got the entire family involved in the renovation process. Now, Janet leads a team of almost entirely women in the male-dominated property management industry, offering a strategic approach to optimizing the returns on your rentals. Janet, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you so much for having me, Kent. I appreciate it. Absolutely. And I know I was saying this to you earlier, but I love having property managers on the show and hearing advice from you guys, because you truly are the boots on the ground. And I think uh, for for us investors, you, you are always able to provide a healthy dose of reality. So oh, yeah. we want to dig into some of that today. But before we do, Janet, just uh, tell us a little bit more about who you are and, and how you got to be to where you are today. Sure, absolutely. Um, so I was really born into this. I'm not sure that I actually had a choice. Maybe a choice was presented, but this might have been forced upon me. Um, just growing up around real estate, my dad was always buying and selling properties. Uh, being in the military, he moved around a lot. He got a little hooked. And then when my mom was like, hey, we're settling down here, no more moving. Um, he still had the itch to buy and sell. So he got his license and he started doing it for other people and eventually started picking up his own properties. And that's when we started flipping. Um, about a decade or two down the road, he started his own property management company and got the entire family really involved. So we were stuffing envelopes. We were migrating data, um, doing a lot of interesting things that I never knew I was going to have to do um, as a child. And looking back, it was a pretty interesting opportunity. I, I learned how to change locks at like 16, like right after I drove, got my license. So I was going around cutting grass and changing locks and uh, doing small punch list items. Um, as soon as I was strong enough, uh, I was, you know, breaking down walls and uh, 
getting dumpster stuff out of the house, clearing out properties, getting down and dirty. So from the, the nasty tactile stuff with the in all the way to the back office stuff that nobody sees. Now that that's awesome experience. I mean, and getting that at such a young age and, and, and putting you off right away into a career in real estate. I think that's fantastic. So, so now you, you lead a property management company, you know, obviously you've got, you know, a lot of experience starting when you were, you were 16 or even before, Way before, even before. So just starting at the top, you know, I think with investors, I think investors, uh, especially newer investors have a lot of different expectations uh, of property manager and maybe don't even really, really know what to expect uh, or kind of what, what role that property manager is supposed to, to fill. And I think Absolutely. A, a lot of those frictions can come in of like where the investor stops and the property manager begins and vice versa. So what is it that, I guess, tell me what role the property manager really should serve. And then secondly, how do you know when you've got a really good property manager? That's a really great question. So uh, what you want to do when you have a property manager is first, you definitely want to screen them. You want to ask all the questions in the front end. Do you want to know if they know anything about vacancy, if what their delinquency rate is? Do you want to know uh, what their goals are for those? Because if you don't have a goal, how are you going to hit your, you know, your goal? If they don't, if they don't have their eye on this or their finger on the pulse, um, so give me the question one more time. So, for, first question is just like what what is the role of the property manager in in the ecosystem of an investment? What part does the property manager play? Absolutely. So uh, we are. We are the help person who helps you get to your goal. We do all the, the tactile stuff. We know how to bring the answers and solutions to you. So when you have the unexpected come up, we already know the lease. We know how to handle it. We know how to reduce your list risk. We come to you with the options and we know the steps to get to move forward. So what we do is we say, hey, here's your options, one, two, and three. You told us that you wanted to get here. This is the one that I highly recommend. And these other two will work how would you like to proceed? You say A, B, or C, and then we just hit the ground running. We take care of it for you. We send you the invoices. We keep it all on file and you really shouldn't have to do anything else. Um, you shouldn't have to micromanage. You shouldn't have to ask to say, hey, has this been done yet? Um, you shouldn't have to ask for pictures. You shouldn't have to ask for you know proof of insurance. All that should be taken care of on our side. You should be able to kind of just sit back and know that it's being taken care of. Gotcha. And, and that, that's a good segue into the next part of the question, which was, what are some signs that you know you've got a really good property manager? When they know the solutions. If they're coming to you asking what you want to do, you do not have the right person because they should have the experience that they have handled this solution or this issue hundreds of times. And even if they haven't had this exact solution, they've had something extremely similar and they know where to start and they can find the answer to this quickly for you. You should not have to be doing the work. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and how about um, looking at it from, you know, I, I guess a lot of the, where I see, especially new investors uh, mm -hmm. kind of fail or, or just have issues is not really understanding where, you know, the investor stops and the property manager starts and, and what, and what to expect from a property manager and kind of how that process works. So yeah. You know, so what's your, yeah, I guess, what's your advice around how should that process look as a property manager is interacting with investor, 
Uh, Talk to us about that. Yeah. So a property manager should already have systems and processes in in place. It's not like you're hiring an employee, you're hiring a business, you're hiring an organization. So they already have all these processes on, they know how to anticipate your needs and they can move forward with them. So if you can trust them, if you have the right one, you can trust them that they're going to be able to know where you are in your annual plan um, because everything is very cyclical. It's, you know, monthly and annually. So they know where you are and how to move forward. You shouldn't have to check on them. You shouldn't have to ask them to do things. You shouldn't have to micromanage because this person already knows how to do this. You have hired a trained up, experienced, vetted person who is there to support you. You tell them what the objective is and they get that big objective or they get you to that goal by knocking off Mm -hmm. all the tasks on the list. You shouldn't have to worry about those tasks. You're the investor. You put your money in, you say, this is what I want to get to. Now you bring in the solutions and take care of the other stuff. And, you know, I think where, where we see, I've, I've seen friction is just in, you know, as real estate investors, a lot of us are, you know, pretty hard charging, mm-hmm. like control, want to be involved. Oh yeah. Um, and so how do you set up a process with an investor to avoid a lot of that friction, but allow the investor still to, let's say like trust, but verify, right? Absolutely. So what we like to do is we, you know, I've pitted into the ground at this point, um, give you solutions. We say, this is, these are your options. How do you want to move forward? And we start telling you, Hey, this has been done. We have an estimate. Okay. This person's going out to the property on this date. Okay. Um, this is, this is what's happened. We see that they're going to have to come out again. You know, we've got it scheduled. No big deal. Okay. It's closed out. Um, the payments coming out of the rent, it's going to be this amount. So what we do is we tell you every step along the way, we don't wait for you to come to us. Whenever we know, we tell you there's no waiting. So there's a timeline, you know, within your email or within your portal of what's happening. You should not have to reach out. If you're reaching out, it hasn't been done yet. Um, but the way we like to work at Oak Trust is we like to get everything done within, um, well, we like to give contact within two business days. If you reach out to us, we want to get back to you in that same channel within two days. Um, but know that we are already working on it, that we mm-hmm. want to be ahead of you in every step. And how, do, how does that look like on a, on a weekly and monthly basis, the, the communication flow? Okay. Well, a lot of times in the beginning, there's a lot more touch points. So when you come to sign with a business development person, there's a lot of touch points because there's a lot of questions and there's more um, handling outside our calls with the actual owner, because we're trying to, at that point, we know that they have this stress and they're not able to do what they want to do within their business hours. That's why they're reaching out to us. They need somebody to be able to like take this off their plate. So at that point, there's a lot more touch points. Um, once we get signed, we move over to our leasing team and marketing team. Uh, then our experts over there, they start marketing the property. They say, hey, this is how much you said you wanted to um, go to the market with. These are our comps. Um, you know, let's move forward with this. And this is our de-escalation if this is needed. You know, expect this. Once a week, we're going to go ahead and tell you what's going on with your property, how many people have visited, what the feedback was. And if we think that the um, we're getting negative feedback, if we need to make any adjustments, let's go from there. So every Thursday, you should get a report saying this many people went to your property. We had this many applications. Uh, unfortunately, we had to deny some applications because of the credit score because of this. So um, there is a schedule set up. And then the next move is once they get that um, 
approved application, we say, hey, we have an application, their credit score is great. They got pets. You said you were okay with pets. Uh, this is their move-in date. It's within the parameters of what we have set in our management agreement. Um, let's, we go ahead and we've got them signed. They have two, two days to get in their deposit. So now we're just waiting on that. Okay, owner, they got their deposit. So we're just constantly telling you what's happening. And then once they're in, we're like, okay, well, we went ahead and did another move-in inspection. We found a little bit of dust at the property. We went ahead and just wiped that down for you. The property's great. It's ready. We got the key, the locks changed for you and the, the new residents moving in. The lease is taken over. Your mailbox money's coming on the 10th. So you just, we just so handle got... it. We just plow right through that process. Yeah. And you've got touch points along the way Absolutely. to keep, keep the investor informed because it's that, I think it's that lack of mm-hmm. Trust thinking you're knowing what's going on. Right. Because when, when people don't hear, they assume the worst. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Questioning is like, we can come up with all sorts of opportunities for a disaster on our own. <laughs> That's right. So, okay. So, so we know what, we know what makes a good property manager. It sounds like it comes down to cadence of communication, regular communication, and it comes down to knowledge and track record to, as mm-hmm. you said, bring solutions, not, uh, not bring problems, right? This is like, yes. I used to always tell in my old life, the people that reported to me, I'd say, don't bring me your problems, bring me the solutions. Absolutely. And so that makes a good one. Uh, but what if you you aren't so confident you have a good property manager. How do you know? Cause it, it's, it's difficult to pull the plug and have to think about starting over, but, but how do you know yes. that that's the right move? It's the right move to move on and, and find somebody better. Absolutely. Yeah. If you're having to ask too many questions, if you don't trust them because they're not responding, if things are taking too long, um, if they don't have uh, success points, that they've clearly spelled out to you and you can see that they're meeting. That's also another one because how, how can they deliver success for you if they don't even know what success looks like for themselves? So um, KPIs are something that we definitely have within house. So we have our own goals. So we're always striving to close out work orders within two weeks. We want to get all of our lease agreements. They always need to be like, um, we want them two months ahead, like getting started so we can get those negotiations. Um, you need to know what success looks like so we can be successful for you. So also the lease, if um, the prop, if the owner is asking us to wave on the lease or saying, Hey, we can function this other way. Like that's, that's not what you would want. You would want a strong property manager, honestly, to say, no, this is actually risky for you. We have this court tested lease that we've been working on for about 15 years and we know this is what's good for you. Like this is, this sounds great, but on paper and in court, it doesn't work. So being able to stick to um, what they know and reduce liabilities for the owner, even when the owner wants to do something a little different, it's really the, the sign of a strong property manager. That makes a lot of sense. So it sounds like the, 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 where, you know, if you don't have a good property manager and you need to you know, look to replace or fire them. If you're training them, you need to replace them. If you're training them yourself, if they're not coming with solutions or the knowledge, they're not providing you regular reporting. You don't feel like you know what's going on, right? Mm -hmm. It sounds like. Yeah. Yeah. And then the first couple, like the first 60 days, there's a lot of touch points, but after that, it's um, a lot slower cycle. So pretty much you'll be getting, Hey, there's a work order or you're 
rent's going to be late. Other than that, there really shouldn't be too many touch points between like month two to 10. So that should be a really quiet time unless there's an issue, like any damage at the property or the, the lease is being broken, something like that. So it should be quiet, but it's always great to hear from your property manager. You know, they're going to send you your monthly reports and they say, hey, you know, how are you feeling about this? Or, you know, just check-ins, just keeping open conversation. Know that we're always doing that with your residents. Um, we're always sending them texts and emails because that open communication with the residents um, when they trust us to get the job done, they reach out when they have leaks instead of waiting mm-hmm. till there's mushrooms growing out of the wall. Um, so yeah. open communication I'm, is really great. And that, that piece about resident communication too is critically important. It's you're, you're always training your residents and you're either training them oh, yeah. with bad, bad habits or good habits, right? Mm-hmm. And, and if, if you're unresponsive when they reach out, they're going to stop reaching out. Right. And that's where oh, yeah. little drips become large puddles. Right. Like, yep. so I think, I think that's critically important to understand in the property manager and to understand from a property manager is how are you managing the communication with the residents and, and how are you setting expectations and what are your standards? And so, so I love all that stuff. Um, I know you've worked with a lot of different investors, mm-hmm. probably seen some common themes on what, what works and what doesn't work. So help, help my listeners avoid some pitfalls. What are some of the, where do you see investors go wrong in the process? Uh, the biggest thing that we see is the accidental investor and they are the person who they bought a house as a home. And then they decided that they want another home. And somebody has said, Hey, you can keep this as an investment property. And this is a new idea to them. And then they decide to keep the home, go ahead and buy the other home, but have to have this one written to be able to, you know, have a positive cash flow. It doesn't work because they didn't run all the numbers. So eventually their taxes most likely will go up. Um, they're now paying HOA fees for HOAs that they're not using. Um, their washer and dryer never broke in their house. So it, they're just expecting it will never break. So basically running all the numbers in the front end, finding out all your possible expenses, knowing your risk tolerance is a really good place to start. Not everybody's cut out to be an investor. There's great rewards, but with great reward, there's also great risk. So you have to know where you lay. Um, just knowing how you function would be a great place to start. So, so the, the, I guess the path to avoiding the pitfall is one work, you've got to be a mindful investor, right? I mean, you intentionally went into investing. You're not an accidental investor. Um, Sounds like you, you've educated yourself enough to understand what are the expenses and not even just the expenses right in front of your face, but what are the things that could come down the line? Like you yes. said, are you budgeting reserves for when your, your appliances, uh, mm-hmm. you yeah, know, your don't, don't work your appliances. And, is this a 20 year house that's going to need more care? Or is it a brand new home? But I have a, a large HOA fee, you know, mm-hmm. like being able to navigate these different choices, like yeah. It really is helpful because there's just a wide range of sliders and options that you can take and give in. And where I've found right a thing. ton of value is, you know, my process has evolved in that. And I've built grid relationships with, with property managers that I work with to the point where if I'm looking at, you know, and I'm focusing on typically larger multifamily properties, but if I'm looking at, at a property, I'm bringing the property manager along with me. I'm bringing and I'm bringing one of their maintenance people along with mm-hmm. me as well, because I know 
what I don't know. I, you know, I can't, exactly. look, I can't look at a hot water heater and say, like, if I see a hot water heater, I'm like, yep, that's a hot Looks water good. heater, but I don't know, you know, is it a good brand? How old is it? What can we expect? So you gotta, mm-hmm. you've got to use the people. So I think it's about having the right team and then using the people on your team and recognizing that it's okay not to know everything. You shouldn't know everything, but that's why you Mm -hmm. bring people on your team that do like property managers and and especially the maintenance folks. So like, as I'm, as I'm looking at a property at the beginning, I'm bringing them with me to walk it from the beginning because they're going to call out things that I don't see. Um, And then I'm also working with them on okay, here's what I think stuff costs from a CapEx standpoint, but you tell me because you're the one that's actually ordering it on a week to week basis, right? Yeah. So validate my CapEx schedule, validate my operating expenses, you know, tell me Absolutely. that you're signing off and can actually achieve what I've put in my spreadsheet. Because right? we're optimist, right? Yeah. We think everything's going to be great. We're going to, we're going to have like 10 times, you know, ROI at the end of this, like everything's <laughs> going to be great. But you know, we need the real numbers. We need somebody to say, Hey, take off those rosy glasses. That does, that's not actually how this looks. And nobody's closer to the information than the property manager. And especially like, I want my property manager, because I I think a lot of relationships, you know, they, they either go good or go, go bad from the beginning. And I think if Mm -hmm. you start in a collaborative relationship of saying, I want your input on this upfront and therefore also I expect you to be bought in to the outcome, right? Because mm-hmm. you signed off up front, you told me you could achieve it. So I'm going to expect yeah. that. I think it's a better way to approach it than just showing up with numbers and saying, make well, this here, work. here's, yeah, it's got to work. So, so make it happen. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's, that's a, that's a really hard relationship when somebody's already in a pinch and they don't have any wiggle room. Um, and don't put yourself in that situation. Try yeah. to avoid it. Well, and that, that's the point is because like, like as an investor, you don't want to be in that situation where yeah. you looked at it with two rosier glasses, as you said, now you're hitting the face of that dose of reality. You can't really hit those numbers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's no, where nobody wants to be. So start at the beginning, bring the people, the right people in from the start and, and use their knowledge. And it's okay as the not investor, to not to know, right. But, yeah. but don't be afraid to ask. Exactly. Yeah. Money is a tool. Don't be afraid to use it. You yeah. Know, pay for and the I think, people who are smart. I think the same, and the same thing on a revenue side, right? I mean, I think nobody knows what rents can be, what rents can be better than the people that are, that are leasing every day in that market. Absolutely. Right? Yes, absolutely. So I think that there's, uh, you know, and, and that's one where, where certain property managers, I think are really in tune uh, and, and, and willing to kind of push the market a little more, knowing mm-hmm. it's going to be, it's going to be harder work to lease at $50 higher than it would be at $50 lower, right? You're gonna have to have more, probably more, 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 uh, tours and applications and things. Right. Um, so in some ways, like I've had experience with property management where it's like, you know, they, they don't really want to do the work and they want to just oh, say, well, yeah. if we raise it, you know, just five bucks, it'd be a lot easier to rent these out. So in some ways you got to push, but in other ways, I think you do have to find that dose of reality to say, well, I mean, there's no way in heck you're ever going to hit this rent number because look at all the comps around it. Nobody yeah. is look how you pair up. And so I think the property manager, loss. yeah, has that, um, just has that perspective that, that you've got to, you can't have enough perspectives. I don't think mm-hmm. as you're going into an investment, it's better to realize it at the beginning than it is once you've already closed on the property. And then you're like, oh man, <laughs> this isn't yes. what I thought it was going to be. 
Let's avoid the pitfalls. Let's avoid those bumps and bruises and learn from the experts. Absolutely. Yeah. Now that I think that makes a ton of sense. So, um, so we talk about, yeah, one of the ways investors go wrong, we, we just hit on a ton of them, right? And it's just about not leveraging your resources, not bringing the property manager in at the beginning yeah. and not listening to, the, to their advice. Don't um, work in a vacuum. Don't Reach work out. in a vacuum. Are, are, is there anything else as you just see, I mean, are there things that you've experienced more in the process that, that just, you know, like, oh, this isn't gonna, this isn't gonna turn out well? Um, usually it's, you know, people not running the numbers or they're missing some key numbers. Um, they're being too optimistic a lot of times, or, you know, sometimes cash makes people lazy and they make the wrong choice. They just do something that won't like really, uh, make sense long run, but they have mm -hmm. the money and they're just like, I'm just going to do it instead of running the numbers and making sure if it's profitable, like, yeah, so you can too, do it, but is it profitable? Sure. Too much of a of short term, maybe a, one, a short term vision of, you know, verse, Versus, versus long-term vision, goals. right? Yeah. Versus 10-year goals. And, and also I love that you said, you know, is it profitable? So I, like something that I think this is where a lot of people go wrong is they they overspend on CapEx, mm. they over-improve. Yes. Uh, especially it's newer, fun. Yeah, because you're like, oh, I would love to have those cabinets or those countertops, but but you're not the one living there, right? And yes. so and so you've got to look at it not as what's aesthetically pleasing to you, but what's going to be profitable and what's going to have the right returns. Like something mm -hmm. that we look at very closely is what is our return on cost? So if we're spending $10,000 to renovate a unit, what's the return on that going to be? How much can we raise rent because of that? Right. And, mm -hmm. and that's the, that, I think that's the lens you have to look at it through. Otherwise you're, you're just spending it. to spend. And, and if you spend 10 grand and don't get your return, then I mean, that's not Why? a good investment. Yeah. <laughs> Why do it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's very easy for uh, new investors to get caught up in the, like, I call it the Airbnb vibe where you just want to make this beautiful place with, I don't know, blue tiles and Chrome and just all yeah. sorts of modifications that just do not bring returns. And they have a really small market because it's so eclectic or it's so special. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the, another thing you called out is just standardization is, is your friend. Yes. Right? As much as you can make everything the same, it's easier to repair. It's cheaper to purchase. It's easier to right? process. Yeah. Easier it to process. Way less, yeah. All the overhead, um, cost, time, money, uh, brain power, all that. If you streamline it and you take out the variables, it makes it so much easier to move forward. We don't need 20 options. Let's just go with three. Yeah, it, 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 you're right. It, it, especially if you're, if, if you're an investor that's, that wants to do this at any scale, you've got yes. to have a programmed approach to your renovations. Like you said, maybe there's Decision three matrix. flooring options, you know, because it's three different colors. Yeah. There's a couple of cabinets, but, you know, you can easily make the decision to move on and not, not have to spend weeks on every project saying, oh, with the interior designer, what would this look like? That, yeah, nice the numbers are what matters, not the colors. The colors yeah. do not matter. Like if you need gray, you just grab three grays and they're like, what, how much does this cost? What's the lifetime on it? Let's move forward. Mm -hmm. You're not living there. Yeah, that I think that's fantastic advice. Um, well, Janet, before, before we let you go, I want to take you through our keys to success round. There's four questions I want to ask you. The first one is, uh, if you were 
investing with someone else. You're, you're a passive investor. You're going to give somebody else money. Um, and you can only ask them one question. What would that one question be? Let me see those numbers. I want to see all your numbers. I want to see that it works. I don't care about anything else. I don't care what the place looks like. I want to see the numbers. Mm-hmm. So I think the numbers tell the story and just about everything else is a distraction. Yeah. I mean, I think that that's a great way to approach it. Again, we talk about, you know, what's your return at the end mm-hmm. of the day. And I think paired with that, like, like what are your assumptions? Uh, yeah. To what's getting your there? goal? Yeah. And how was your stuff to get there? Absolutely. Yeah. How about this piece? Have you verified this with a property manager? <laughs> that's a really good one. Yeah. Is this possible? Is this something that can actually be done? Yeah. Yeah. yeah very good. Take off what are you most proud classes? of in your, yeah. What are you most proud of in your career? Um, I'd probably just not stopping, just continuing to plow forward and continuing to learn and continuing to stretch and, uh, finding a little comfort and discomfort. Yeah. So. I love that. And, and it's funny because that is really a common theme in the answer to that question is perseverance in some way, shape or form is what leads to success. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like I call that out on, on, on a lot of these shows now, because I've recognized it is such a theme because people keep saying it, but like, it's true. It's like, you're going to have bumps in the road and pitfalls, but it's the people that dust themselves off and get up mm-hmm. and learn from it that are successful. Right. Yeah. I think uh, the school systems have done some interesting things with the word test for us when you pass or fail. It's like, no, it's a test. We're trying to get out. Like now we mm-hmm. pivot, we make it work and we move on. So mm-hmm you know, it's more flexible yeah. than a stop, stop. Switch. Yeah. I love that mindset. That's great. What is a book that everybody should read? Okay. So there's one that I'm reading right now. That's really easy to digest and approach. And it's just the road less stupid. Each chapter is about 10 minutes and it has overarching themes. And at the end, they just wrap it up. And, uh, it's, it's really addressed a lot of issues that I've been going through this year and, um, that I wish I would have learned 10 years ago, but it's, it's just a really approachable business book. And it will talk about everything from teams to systems to uh, goal setting, just absolutely everything. I love it. The road less stupid. We'll we'll make sure that's called out in the notes so people can check that out. And lastly, what is your number one key to success? (laughs) Not stopping. Just don't quit. You know, don't give up. It it can be a sprint. Sometimes you got to take a break, but uh, ultimately it's a marathon and you just keep going. Yeah, absolutely. Now that that's critical. And uh, before we let you go, if Janet, if people want to find out more about you and, and Oak Trust Properties and what you guys are doing, how can they reach out to you? Absolutely. So we're on uh, oaktrustproperties.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn and uh, we're actually on TikTok. So you can find us pretty much anywhere. Uh, So reach out to us, make a phone call, shoot us a message. We are here for you. We would love to answer any of your questions and we're no pressure sales. We just want to be here to support you. And if we're right for each other, we're right for each other. And check out their dance videos on TikTok. Oh yeah to die for. <laughs> and just to, uh, tell folks with that, you know, what markets are you in? Okay. So we're in the Charleston market and we're looking to move, uh, up the coast, up the East coast. And, uh, so if you have a, a portfolio, we are based in Charleston and we can virtually manage just about anywhere. So we're gotcha. open to, uh, conversations. Give us a call. 
Very cool. Well, Janet, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your wisdom and uh, giving us a dose of reality on how we can we can be better investors and work with our property managers. And Absolutely. I hope you have a great rest of the day. Thank you. You as well, Kent. Thanks for listening to another great episode of Ritter on Real Estate. Hit the subscribe button to make sure you don't miss out on the content that will make you a better investor. Also, visit KentRitter.com for articles, videos, and tools curated just for passive investors. Until next time, this is Kent Ritter with Ritter on Real Estate. Now go out and invest like a pro.